Good Monday morning, you bastards. This is Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast. It is uh, Monday, the October something. What are we on? Oh, it's okay. October uh, 16th. My show notes are not informative. Um, so anyway, this is the Bastards of Art podcast. And uh, if we had a mission statement for this, it's all about helping you to become the product you were meant to be, that you were supposed to be. Basically breaking down the idea that, you know, all the awesome stuff out there is for other people. Listen, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Everything you're trying to get done, if it's not getting done, the first place you should look is yourself. Figure out why you're not pushing through. Figure out what, you know, what 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 is it about you that you aren't in an art show or you aren't in an art publication or you're not working with other artists or or whatever your goals are. Um, you know, if you if you have a sedentary life and you just want to sit at home, this works for you too, but uh, if you have goals and aspirations to try to like, you know, show people uh, how you see the world, which is what art is all about, um, it's pretty selfish to kind of keep all that to yourself and say, I just make art for myself. This isn't for anyone else. Um, and we do art to help the masses. We do art to help other people understand what has become stagnant in their life and rearrange it so that they can see the world in a whole new way, um, which is kind of the whole point. Um, so... Anyway, I, I was uh, thinking about today. Um, I, I well, let me just get off on a, on a side tangent really quick. I went on a, about a three day adventure with uh, Jake Trost, who's uh, originally from Minnesota. He's a photographer, and uh, I'll try to see if I can remember to put credits up. But he's a hell of a landscape photographer, and I had the opportunity to go out with him um, this last weekend uh, through the Ozarks, and we hit like probably 10 locations in, uh, in three days. It was a lot of work, a lot of driving, uh, a lot of hiking, uh, saw some snakes. Uh, we camped out and, uh, hammock camped, uh, in the middle of nowhere. Um, got, uh, 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 some turkeys. I tell you what, these, these turkeys were, were walking around our hammocks in the middle of the night. And, uh, all I could think of was that mountain lions like to eat turkeys. So I was like, dude, you need to, you need to go turkeys. Cause someone's going to eat you. And I don't want them looking at me next. So anyway, it was a whole lot of fun, uh, but it kind of brings me to the idea of what is, uh, what is our eye and our brain doing together? This is kind of a trip, right? Like, so we have five major senses that give us, uh, our ability to have reactions, whether something makes us sad or happy or, um, just energetic or bummed out or whatever the case may be. We have five major senses that do that. But only two of those senses actually give us the perception of depth, sight, right, and sound. So you can hear if something's kind of far away or you can see if something's far away by its relationship to other things. Um, so the neat thing about uh, how that works is uh, the eyeball is basically, and this is kind of a trip when you think about it, the eyeball is an optic nerve. You know, when we kind of see a picture in our head, we, we, we try to be present when we picture that and we, we think we're in our eyeballs. Like we, we, we picture as if the memory is stored in our eyeballs or when we look at something, we think that we're, our brain is actually in our eyeballs. That's, that's where the, the camera is. But the reality is those are just optic nerves that are letting in light and all that information gets basically kind of decoded and rearranged uh, on the cognitive level and our brain pieces together a picture based on what our optical nerves are bringing in which is our eyeballs which is i'm going to go on a little bit of a description of how this kind of works 
So if you've ever noticed when you're looking around a room, your eyeballs are constantly scanning. We're like one of two um, species that do that. I don't know if species is the word, but animals. There's like, a, I think the orangutan and us. Like everyone else has more of a, uh, a slightly different setup on our eyeballs. But what makes us unique is, and I'm going to butcher this word, but it's called something like a favora. It's basically <clears throat> this tiny 2% that stays in focus and a deviation in 15 degrees, up or down or left and right, is actually out of focus. So if you stare at something, stare at a dot on the wall, um, everything, if you're not moving your eyes around, everything 15% deviation from that focal point, from where you're staring at the dot, 15% away, it starts to dis distort quite a bit. So what we need to do is we need to keep moving our eyeballs around uh, so that our, our center reference point which is only a 2% little little speck of, of, our, of our entire light coming in, right? So the completely focused part is only that 2%. We, we scan around the room or we scan around a painting or we scan around a photograph and we're taking it all in and our brain is putting this kind of, kind of image together. Um, and what happens is, is that we can, in a weird way, we can kind of make our eye go where we want it to go. Or let me rephrase that. We can make a viewer's eye go where we want it to go by this kind of little mouse trap. So we're able to take, like say for instance, I just want you to picture really quickly. Picture a wall with about a hundred dots on it and um, they're all evenly spaced and it makes kind of like a grid. And the, the, the dots are black and the wall is white. And as your eye starts scanning it, two things are happening. Number one, we're trained to ignore static. We're trained to ignore things that are common or similar. This is this goes with all the senses. If your house smells like cat pee, guess what? You've probably tuned it out. Same with vision. If we see, you know, this this grid that makes like a thousand dots on your wall, um, it all starts to become static as we're scanning it around and kind of plays a trick tr trick on you. But if you were to take one of those dots and turn it into a square. Your eyeball would quickly scan and end up on that square. It's kind of like a little mousetrap. So when you're creating a painting, you kind of think of something like that, like where do I want the eye to go? Um, also, uh, if you were to use stuff like uh, um, colors, warmer colors versus like a cooler color, uh, our eye will kind of jump more to that warmer color. Think about all the photos and paintings where you see something like Jesus with disciples or Jesus helping someone. If you look at it, it's not an accident that the artist actually painted all the rest of the characters kind of bland and desaturated, where Jesus is very vibrant and he's got a nice red shirt on. Your eye will always swing back to that. The second thing is, or another thing is, um, your ability to focus on a sharper image uh, that is like painted or a photograph of where you drop the depth of field in the photograph and parts of it becomes more suggestions and parts of it become a little bit crisper. And so if like, again, if you had a, a thing like a, a character in the middle of a composition with a bright red shirt on, if the other characters were desaturated, the ones that are around him, and they're not as crisp, like you're really not getting into overly detailing the edges and they're, they kind of have a softer... Um, feel to them, your eye will pick all that up and then go to the uh, more crisp area. Um, this is a pretty common trick too. But 
here's the thing is it's all that's happening because your optical is looking um, around that's your eyeball your optical nerve is looking around trying to find stuff to feed your cognitive which is your brain how you're how that's all getting put together okay so here's kind of like how that works the first thing that happens when you start scanning is that your brain is basically sorting out all the major shapes okay so if you think of like a skyline and it's just taking all those buildings in it's not even concerned with windows it's not concerned with where the little details of the signs are, or it's not concerned where, you know, uh, a, a nice shiny Corvette in the photo is. It's just taking all the shapes. Now, the crazy part is not just the shapes that we think of, like the buildings, but it's also taking in the shapes of the sky behind the buildings. In the book, um, Drawing with the Left Side of the Brain, or Drawing, Drawing with the Right Side of the Brain, whatever, um, it talks about a study on using this same idea where we're dealing with shape when drawing a chair. And what it does in this kind of study is it uh, um, takes a chair and has the students draw the chair. And they try to draw the exact chair. They try to draw that. And, and, and what happens is, is that your brain starts to try to remember what a chair looks like, and it adds that to the drawing. So that's what happens when you see like little kids draw a chair they know it has four legs they know it has a place to sit down on they know it has a backrest and they they kind of draw that and they get the idea of what a chair is but they're not drawing what they see so a way to fix that is is if you take a black chair and put it on a red background so the chair is in front of a red wall and you tell someone to actually draw the shapes of red and not the chair which would be the negative space you'll find that in that first drawing, they're able to capture more of an essence of that chair than when they were trying to draw the chair itself. So that's the first thing our brain kind of picks up on is this, these general shapes. And then it starts to kind of look around, ignores a lot of the static, and tries to find things that are different. This is really common like with a hunter who's been sitting in a deer stand for a long time, and all the bushes kind of look the same and act the same. And after a while, um, eventually something will get disrupted in one of the bushes and the hunter's eye will immediately be trained to go over to that spot. This is the exact same thing with painting. If you have a lot of kind of like common themes, whatever is uncommon that breaks that static, your eye will go to it. Okay. So, uh, we call this, um, when we start breaking the shapes down, there's an element of diffusion. So same idea. Let's take a, a person's head. You can actually start looking at people and start deciphering if their head is more square shaped or more round shaped or more oval shaped. And when you're actually doing like a portrait or a quick sketch of a, of a person, and what I do is I first determine this, the shape of their head, right? You know, some people will go and they'll draw quickly what uh, they learned in school. You draw a circle, then you draw the jawbone on, and then you do draw, draw halfway down, you figure out where the eyeballs are. And that's all like anchor points for drawing things out of memory. But when you're actually looking at someone, you know, that, that little trick of a quick reference drawing of a kind of a skull, it doesn't apply if your skull's round and someone's head is really square shaped, like a Frankenstein type thing. So really, when, you, when I start to draw people, I kind of ignore some of those fundamentals I learned in school, and I just actually draw a quick square, and that's the shape of their head. The last thing I'm looking at is their 
uh, color their eyes or if they have a mustache or how their hair is or if they have eyeglasses or if they have a hat on because um, I'm really just looking for the initial shapes. It isn't until we start to detail that we start to complete the picture and add that diffusion, which is the mustache and the hair and the eyeballs. So it's really important that you build your drawing or your painting up the same way with the same principles of how the brain is going to interpret it first. So it really boils down to this. If you want a successful painting or a successful drawing or a successful illustration, if the original shapes without any of the fancy without any of the detail, without any of the highlights, if your original shapes are unappealing and the eye does not want to discover anything in those squares and triangles that make up uh, a landscape or a cityscape or, a, you know, whatever it is you're going for, if those original shapes are boring, it doesn't matter how much detailing you do, it'll be difficult to recover from a boring composition. So this is how the eye works in conjunction with the brain. First it scans looks for shapes, then it tries to figure out where it's supposed to go, that little focus point, that 2% focus of the eyeballs darting around, and it's grabbing everything, and it's looking for that unique area to find, right? And then it'll start to see some of the diffusion. It'll start to pick up on uh, the, the caricature, and the, or I guess like, like if Jesus had a mustache that was really uh, tricked out, or if there was any jewelry in the, in the photograph that you really wanted to focus on. But then you're able to kind of help this little mousetrap idea by understanding the, um, how our brain pieces together this puzzle that the optic nerve is giving it. So anyway, I hope that was kind of helpful in, in laying stuff out. I guess in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is if your thumbnail sketches aren't interesting, your big painting that you spend hours and hours on, is not going to be any more interesting. So get the basics laid out, get the big shapes laid out, and then start to add the detail in a manner that helps the eyeball track. If you want a quick example of this, okay, um, there was a uh, uh, jump from normal television into this high HD a couple years back. And it was actually kind of difficult to watch some of the old reruns because you're almost distracted by how every part of it, every part of the picture was super crisp. We like our brains to do some of the work. We don't like our favora or our eye or our cones and rods and our retinas and everything. That optical nerve as it's coming back, we want it to help kind of scan and search and look for things. If everything's super high tech and everything's super crisp, it's kind of like there's, there's like almost like an overload. The, the eyeball doesn't know where to focus. So it's okay to do more suggestive things and create a good, strong, solid composition with good shapes and whatnot. And uh, yeah, whatever. So anyway, um, this works in cropping photography. This works in photographs. This works in laying out a tattoo. This works in um, illustration and any type of design, anything that you want the viewer to be pulled in. This is kind of this, the basics. Um, my name is Matt Hodell. This is the Bastards of Art Podcast. Um, you can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. I have a webpage called BastardsArt.com. Um, go to our iTunes and rate us so more people can find us. Uh, you can also check out my blog at MattHodellTattoo.com. And uh, yeah, email me, reach out to me. I'm reaching out to you. Talk to you guys later. Bye.